lots and lots of spoilers. Emotions. You puny humans are... I mean, we puny humans are largely ruled by them. Ha ha, I made a funny human mistake to be laughing much. Great move, poker face. (laughs) (laughs) Sure, we all have emotions, but how many times have you asked yourself, what do my emotions look and sound like, and do any of them wear neckties? Well, these questions and many more are answered with scientific clarity and precision in this week's Pixar Picks installment, 2015's Inside Out. No, this is not some Cronenbergian body horror movie involving human bodies with the skin on the inside and organs on the outside. And like me, you probably demanded your money back when you found out how misleading the title is. Excuse me. Did not. (laughs) Probably not. This This movie is a look inside the mind of an 11 year old girl. Much more terrifying. Literally. We see humanoid manifestations of her five core emotions and how they cause her to react, deal with people, and form the core memories that make up her personality. Wild? Yes. Cartoonish? Sure. But also surprisingly deep and complex in a way that really sneaks up on you. Ah! Oh, it snuck up on me. Sorry. I am one of your hosts, the incarnation of existential dread, Max Levine, (laughs) and over there in his special emotions circle... (laughs) is the manifestation of that emotion you feel when you think a piece of hard candy is going to taste like one fruit, but it turns out to taste like a totally different fruit. I hate that. Is there a name for this emotion? Yes, and it's Mike Luce, your other host. <laughs> I don't think that's true. <laughs> I think it is. That is, if you check it out, it's, it's uh, I think Virginia Woolf was saying, truly, as I sampled the hard candy, I Mike Luced about it when I realized it was pineapple and not lemon. Don't talk about our clown, Martha. <laughs> I know that's a different Virginia Woolf. No, it's the same one, but ah, it's a different text, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, thanks for that. Anytime. Being named after an emotion. No. Sure, sure. That, that, that's true. It is you, now. I've declared it. Are you calling me a fruit? <laughs> no, I'm, t- I'm calling you a confused fruit. Uh, that's better? Yeah. <laughs> but, I don't think uh, I'm going to like this week's show. <laughs> Well, before we get to what uh, you aren't going to like, we'll need to talk a little business. Just to remind you, you can, of course, see our entire back catalog of work at MaxMikeMovies.com, our website. You can uh, listen to us on the podcast app of your choice, like the uh, Google Podcast app or the Apple Podcast app. You can find us on Spotify or iHeartRadio. And we're, of course, mediating socially on the Facebooks and the Twitters and such under MaxMikeMovies. By the way, if you do listen to us on one of the podcast apps and it's a little rating thing, please do give us a rating. Rate us! Rate us! Yes, they're really the only form of actualization we get in this bleak, empty world. Otherwise, how do we even know we exist? Wait, Uh, do I? Sorry, it's it's the existential dread thing coming through. (laughs) I thought I gave to existential dread last week. (laughs) Hey, I got a quick public service announcement. Uh, ah, if sure. I can throw that in there. Uh, hey, Rogue Warfare Three. It's <laughs> still still a thing. It is still a Rogue thing. I'm not sure where Warfare. you can see it, but uh, it is a yeah. thing. Rogue Warfare Three. Rogue Warfare Three. You'll be glad that something happened. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't tell a lot of people this, but um, Bumpy the Wonder Pony has a cameo in it. <laughs> Please tell me it's as a living target. <laughs> 
Or do they send him out to uh, see if there are landmines in the field? Now, be nice to Bumpy. He's Never. always said very nice things to you, mostly. <laughs> Passive-aggressive so. pony. Yeah. <laughs> so, we do have some trivialities to cover. Ooh. The show. Uh, this movie had about 45 animators, which is about half the number they used to use. Oh. So, I assume the other half of the go? computerial machines. Oh. No one knows. You do too. <laughs> you took them. <laughs> Existential dread. Uh, the budget was 175 million. Good lord. For a friggin' cartoon. I'm sorry. <laughs> Worldwide gross, $858 million. Oh, failure. That's sad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, the shapes of the emotions were based on conscious choice. They went through a number of uh, incarnations, but each emotion is based on a shape. Joy is based on a star. Sadness is a teardrop. Anger is a fire brick. Uh-oh. Fear is a raw nerve. And disgust is broccoli. However... <laughs> Pete Doctor, what did the director, does want to point out he actually likes broccoli very much. Ah, well, that's good. Okay. That pizza place, Yeast of Eden, in San Francisco, that is a real place. Why am I not surprised? (laughs) And they do, in fact, serve broccoli pizza. It's fine. I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't want it to be the only thing, but it's fine. Like, if it's one of those, those where we made the crust out of broccoli, no. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the writers considered up to 27 different emotions, but settled on five, which we'll get to in the plot uh, synopsis, uh, to make it less complicated. Some of the major emotions that ended up being cut, which i kind of sorry, because some of them sound interesting, were surprise, hmm. pride, and trust. Hmm. It would have been interesting to see what the manifestation of surprise was. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> How about uh, lust? Yeah, I was. Yeah, well, that's why I think what the puberty button is for. Yeah, don't don't touch that. No, no. Don't, yeah, don't, yeah, don't touch that. They brought in psychologists and other experts so the writers could make the way that Briley's mind works kind of scientifically accurate. Yeah, I mean, apart from the giant cartoon clown. Uh, uh, oh, I think that's well, pretty accurate. Yeah, for example, it is believed that short-term memories made during the day are converted into long-term memories while you sleep. Which is what happens with Riley. By little men. <laughs> by funny little jelly bean like people voiced by uh, Rosio, no, Paula Poundstone and Pete Moynihan. There you go. Uh, some of the memory balls in Riley's mind. This Again, this is a Pixar movie, so we got Easter eggs up the butt. <laughs> memory balls. Some of the memory <laughs> balls actually have scenes from other Pixar movies. Because, uh, like, of course, she's seen them all. Yes, because like Carl and Ellie's wedding and up. And uh, in Riley's classroom, which is number A113, which shows up in uh, all the Pixar movies again. Yeah. It, there's a map at the back of the room. There's pins plotted in different places all over the world. They're all references to where all the Pixar movies are set. Okay. And where's yeah. the goddamn pizza truck? Because we know it's there. Oh, there's a few. It's there actually three times. But it's yeah. one of those, if you don't do a frame by frame, you won't see it. Good. Yeah. Uh, when Pete Doctor, the director, and Jonas Rivera pitched the film to Mindy Kaling, who plays uh, the voice of Disgust, she was moved to tears and said, I think it's great you guys are making a film that shows it's difficult to grow up and that it's okay to be sad about it. 
According to Pete Doctor, the two of them both yelled, Quick, write that down! Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, hadn't planned on that part, huh? No, no, like, that's good, we'll use it! Yeah, they, they, yeah, they did. Yeah. Uh, originally, Joy was supposed to be teamed with fear rather than sadness. They thought that'd be funnier. But they ended up going up with sadness instead when Pete Doctor was on a Sunday walk and then had a bad train of thought. He thought he would get fired and lose his friends. Because of this, he realized Joy needed to realize it was okay for sadness to be at the controls once in a while. Hmm. Uh, Pixar invited Paul Ekman, an American psychologist who's a pioneer in the study of emotions and their relation to facial expressions, to brief the crew on the nature of emotions. Oh, depending on the country of release... You know when Riley's we see inside Riley's dad's head and he's daydreaming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, depending on the country, he's either daydreaming about hockey or soccer. Ah, uh, well, you know that yeah. makes sense. Yep. This this, by the way, is the first uh, Pixar film that has no antagonist character at all. There's no bad guy in this. Mm, it's true. Yeah, it's just a situational thing. Uh, when Pete Doctor first pitched the idea of the film. To John Lasseter, he said, Imagine the fun we're going to have when it comes to casting. We could get, I don't know, people like Louis Black as anger. <laughs> and that's what they did. How? I don't know, but I want to give that person a raise. <laughs> Seriously. That is, we'll say this right now Louis Black as anger is some of the most inspired casting, not just in any Pixar movie, but in any, any movie in the history of humanity. <laughs> I think Lewis Black, at some point, it was just decided he needs to be animated. It doesn't matter what it's for. Yep. It doesn't matter what he's in. It just, he needs to be animated. <laughs> the only thing that I missed from his performance, and it's obvious why they didn't do this, is at some point he just doesn't belt out, Son of a bitch! Yeah, yep. <laughs> the only time he swears, it effectively gets bleeped. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> According to Lewis Black... When they pitched the film to him, they sent him a box of previous Pixar films and a letter that suggested, quote, that I may not know who Pixar is, which <laughs> mean, meant they th- that they were crazy or they thought I was just some sort of recluse. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's know, almost kind of mean. It really, like, oh, he's it, probably pretty dumb, so we'll send him our stuff. Well, he's probably such a misanthrope. He doesn't see kids' movies, huh? Uh, the voice of Riley, Kath, uh, Caitlin Diaz, was 11 years old when cast as the 11-year-old Riley. However, you know, this movie took about four or five years to make, uh, and she went through puberty and her voice deepened. So she had Now to she actually, talks like this. She actually had to re-pitch her voice uh, to do post-production stuff. Mm. Yeah. Uh, for the voice of toddler Riley... When, they just recycled old di- dialogue of Mary Gibbs, who was the voice of Boo in Monsters, Inc. She's oh. listed in the credits under additional voices. Ah. And, by the way, Toddler Riley's hair is styled exactly the same way Boo's was. Oh. Yeah. Uh, unlike the other characters, by the way, Joy doesn't have a shadow because of her bright personality. Ah. Uh, the bubbly texture of the emotions was originally supposed to just be on Joy. But then, due to the difficulty of animating the unique design, after eight months, the animators decided to scrap it completely before because it was becoming unaffordable. However, when John Laster saw it, he said, "That's great! Put it on all the characters." 
Okay. Uh, commenting on the incident, the production designer Ralph Eggleston said, you could hear the core technical staff just hitting the ground, the budget falling through the roof, but it was all good. They found a way to make it work. I, he, I don't yeah. understand that texture, but okay. Yeah. Um, according to the direct to Pete Doctor, he mentioned the imaginary boyfriend design, apart from being from Canada, in Riley's mind, was inspired by the entire band One Direction. <laughs> who are, of course, British, but that's yes, okay. Well, he met, because he admits his daughter, uh, Ellie, who Riley is modeled after physically, is a fan of theirs. Hmm. Now, this, this is a question I had uh, after watching the movie. When asked about the genders of the emotions, Pete Doctor oh, said, it was intuitive. It felt to me like anger is very masculine. I don't know why. Sadness felt a little more feminine. And Mindy Kaling, as discussed, felt right. Mom and Dad, we skewed them all male and all female for a quick read because you have to understand where they are, which is a little bit phony, but hopefully people don't mind. It was one of my notes. I yeah. couldn't figure out if they were trying to suggest something. I mean, hey, I have no problem with Lewis Black. As we mentioned last week, I think every adolescent girl needs her inner Lewis Black. Uh, I don't know where you can get one, but there you yeah. go. But it did seem kind of weird, although I did note that a couple of the figures in the dad's head, mustache yeah. dad's head, kind of looked like women with mustaches. Yeah, the joy, the joy version especially. Yeah. Still, I am also curious, and we'll talk about this, why in mom's head the dominant emotion appears to be sadness, yep. and in dad's head the dominant emotion appears to be anger. That's, yep. that's kind of disturbing. We'll have to put a little post-it on that because I had the same note. Yeah, yeah, we'll get back to that. But uh, let's get to the plot. Ah. What goes on in the head of an 11-year-old girl, you may ask? Well, this movie answers it pretty darn literally. Like all of us, 11-year-old Riley is driven largely by her emotions, represented anthropomorphically by joy, sadness, anger, disgust, and fear. When Riley and her parents suddenly end up moving from Minnesota to San Francisco, her emotions do their best to help her navigate this new uncertain world. Riley's dominant emotion is Joy, who does her best to keep Riley happy. But in this scary, unfamiliar new environment with a new school and no friends, Joy watches in horror as emotional conflict actually arises, something neither she nor Riley have ever had to deal with before. The characters may be cartoonish, the a action may be purely metaphorical, but the emotional stakes are real, as Joy begins to realize that there is as much value to sadness as there is to happiness. I figure that pretty much covers it. The lowdown. Yeah. I mean, there's plot things which I guess are all metaphorical. Well, no, that's not fair. Inside her head are metaphorical and outside her head are, you Literal. know, plotty yeah. things. Mm -hmm. But it's not, that's not what we bought the ticket for. So, yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I was really confused because when I saw this film originally, uh, or at least I saw the, the the listing for it, I was like, "Oh, Riley, Ace of Spies, sounds great. Uh, <laughs> I love a good spy movie." And there's uh -huh. no spies in this. Did Did you notice any spies? I didn't see any spies. Of course not. They're very good spies. Oh, oh, I missed the whole point of the movie. Yeah, damn. That's it. Oh well. Um, yeah, the weird fuzziness, that weird. I don't know what bubbly texture. Yeah. Um. It's fine, like, if the characters are, at, like, if you're, you know, at a reasonable medium shot or further out. 
But when you get close, things get really weird. Well, Joy has these little sort of curling bits of energy coming off her, which is supposed to represent all of the bouncy, bubbly energy that comes off her. Okay. Mm. I just made of bubbles or something. I don't. I don't know. Oh. I found that when they got close up, things just. I just stopped looking at her face and started looking at the little things, and it's like, <laughs> what is that? It is a what is it trying to? Yeah, I don't get it. Um, what do you think about their? choice of the core emotions i was fine with all of them except one one of them is like really that's a core emotion ah, disgust no like, I, I can see that because it's an element of fear in some ways but it's also i, I think it's the the early part of, of the idea of taste i guess i just don't find it nearly as strong as the other ones maybe but i think she was mostly there for comic for comic effect her in fear i mean yeah. Fear, let's, it surprises me because fear is an incredibly powerful emotion. Yes. And it's there from the... That's the other thing I thought was interesting. When Riley is a newborn, when they show in effect her coming into creation and her mind awakening, the first emotion that shows up is joy. Which uh-huh. is a, it's a nice idea. The first emotion that a child would feel would be joy. Yes, it's it, a nice idea. Yeah, except <laughs> they've just gone through birth trauma, which must be terrifying and painful. You'd think fear would be like not the first guy there. Like, what the hell is happening to the, to me? Well, let's face it. This is a very challenging Pixar film, but I don't think they're ready to be challenging in that they're going to show anything to do with the birthing process. No, probably not. But th- this, <laughs> it is true. This is very challenging. But yeah, disgust is a strange one. It's not one that you usually think of as what as a primary emotion. All the others, sure. Yeah, I just was like, huh, disgust. Hmm. Uh, who's the other? Who's the bench player for this? Who's the the uh, designated hitter? Because because we got could we see? Yeah. I mean, I do kind of like the way she manifests as when they're trying to feed her broccoli. She goes, um, "Excuse me, that isn't brightly colored or shaped like a dinosaur." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and she has. I mean, her own version of chocolate frosted sugar bombs. I don't yep. remember what they were, but they were yeah, just as yep. disgusting. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So, but uh, you know, she loved them. I will say this: fear. And this is a weird thing. The character of Fear is really funny. Um, mm. He is so hyper, and he's very slapstick, but every time he did a thing, I laughed. So yeah. that's fine. And it's probably just as well that it wasn't like, oh, let's have Fear look like, oh, Sauron. Or, you know. <laughs> yeah, look frightening, yeah. as opposed to, I like the idea they went with make him look frightened, not frightening. Yeah. Yeah. And it, yeah, again, the visual. I think the visual metaphors for all of them are great. I love the fact that Disgust, who is supposed to be like the classic mean girl, has these gigantic eyelashes, and yeah. that uh, anger literally is <laughs> top of his head bursts into flames <laughs> every five minutes. Yep. <laughs> if you somehow haven't seen this film and your brain simply can't put the idea of Lewis Black and a Pixar film together, uh-huh. it's it's really funny. And, and he doesn't have a lot of lines, and pretty much every time he's up at the little control desk, something hilarious happens. Yep. Um, and, and there's things that he keeps saying that you're like, oh, I want to see this, and you know you won't. It's like, hey, let's use that cu- one curse word we know. <laughs> you know the one. <laughs> and then later at the end of the film where it's like they've expanded this giant control panel because we're now we're heading towards puberty. It's like, ah, now I have access to all the curse words. <laughs> yes, this new panel is the beep. <laughs> and it was, of course, fear accidentally hitting a button and beeping him. Yeah. Um, I do... Um, I- I will say I I both appreciate 
there's parts of sadness like of all the characters the ones that are their most extreme are sadness and joy i mean mm-hmm. fear is oh fear mostly on. okay but then occasionally he just goes nuts which he should and yeah. anger quite honestly he's sort of always at a simmer and the, but there's and then he explodes but sadness there's points where literally she can only be dragged around and there's even one point where Joy is like starting their little trek again, and sadness still on the ground just raises her leg. Yeah, like, just like pull me. Uh, I, 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 I like that Joy, who's trying when she's trying to find sadness, who's gotten lo- who's lost herself or has run off, and she's saying, "Okay, how, how basically trying to make pretend to be sad." It's like, "Oh, everything is awful, and my legs <laughs> don't work." <laughs> yeah. Um, and sadness is that's a it's a really tough bit. Like you said, who was it? The woman who played Joy said, "Oh, I really love the way that you're going to show no, that." Was, that no, that was a, no, that was Mindy. who played uh, disgust. Oh, disgust. Yeah, oh. because you sit there through the whole. Okay, so the major conflict is is more or less between Joy and sadness. Joy mm-hmm. wants to be in control all the time because, of course, who doesn't want to be happy all the time? Uh, Joy will later be played by Xanax. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it is, and of course, you know, when you're younger, I think you honestly do tend to be happier more of the time uh, yeah. because you don't understand that the world's yes. out to kill you. I mean, yes. not really, but it is. <laughs> um, and you sit there, and as an audience member, and I've seen this film like two or three times, you sit there going, yeah, what's so great about sadness? Maybe we should put her in a box or something. <laughs> and they really do manage very well to point out that yeah, there actually not only are there times when it's good to be sad, but that you can look at things in different ways and not really change them because mm-hmm. they because Joy's all upset about these core emotions that were all happy memories. Yeah, and then whenever but sadness then, touches them, they become in effect literally tinged with sadness. They turn blue, as right. opposed to you know, every every emotion has its own color. Joy is you know golden yellow, and sadness is blue. It's a little on, little on target, but whatever. And anger's red. And, uh, fear is purple because sure. Uh, While they were running out of major colors, yeah, anger is red, of course, and green is yeah. disgust. That works. Ah, purple. <laughs> okay, now I get it. <laughs> so, um, and it's uh, well. Let's just get this out of the way. Yeah. This is a complex movie. This is a remarkably complex movie, and it's made all the better because. It doesn't look like it's going to be. It's so cartoony. When you're inside Riley's head, it's like a Warner Brothers world. You know, people are practically hitting each other with anvils. Yeah. And things are falling out. There's no physical damage really isn't a big deal. But the emotional stuff is made. And it sneaks up on you. And suddenly you realize, my God, this is this is actually hitting some pretty serious, some pretty major uh, uh, points. I, and it's... Hmm? It's not quite Sesame Street, but it's it's. I mean, I, I sat there and wondered because I really don't know. I mean, obviously the film did very well, but what do kids get out of this? I honestly don't know, and that's not a a, a complaint or a criticism. I just like you made Psychology One Hundred and One as understandable and relatable to people of close to all ages as possible, but I don't know. But there's still stuff for kids. There's plenty of slapstick. There's bright colors. Again, this because it's Pixar visually, this is astonishing. Uh-huh. I mean, good lord, Imagination Land. What kid would that sequence is hilarious and it's gorgeous. Oh, the section through Abstract Thought. Oh, yeah, oh god, <laughs> that my the. Uh, 
It's a, I, I, again, it's actually hard to comment on that. That's so brilliant because they are taking incredibly advanced semantic theory and making it a sight gag. Oh like, no, uh, I've gone non-figurative. It's not objective huh? fragmentation. What? Oh, we've been deconstructioned. Oh no. And that's the, what I'm talking about. Like sections like that and the real, you know, train of thought, stuff like that. And again, it's not a critique. I literally just would love to know what kids got out of that. I, I don't know. I mean, it's just the little jokes that you know with... When they're going along in the train and Bing Bong is going, yep, there's critical thinking, there's deja vu, there's inductive reasoning, there's deja vu. <laughs> there's... <laughs> it's, it's like, whoa, just a throwaway. But I mean, I wonder if it's not, because neither of us has kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you have me, but that's as close mm-hmm. to a kid as you're going to ever get. I wonder if this film isn't a great opportunity for parents i think it is i mean as as you say i don't have kids but i got a godson and i got my niece and i would i mean i uh, i think this would be a great movie for kids be sorry what we i I spoke over you what well the idea that if you sat and watched it with your kids at home and you would be able to pause it if they ever said what does that mean like because here's the thing I try to tell this to to people all the time. If this is my own experience, when I was a little kid, my mom used to take me to the Museum of Fine Arts. And I'm saying little kid, I mean like six, seven, eight years old. It's like, what do little kids get out of, you know, conceptual art or whatever? And I got to tell you, at the time, nothing. But those seeds were planted. And I remember the first major exhibit that I went to see at the Museum of Fine Arts Boston. It was weird. And to this day, I don't understand the point of it. But imagine if, as you walk through the old entrance of the museum, there were these giant three-story inflatable mushrooms made out of garbage bags. Sure. Yeah. Um, but I remember them. Uh-huh. And my sister and I played a board game when I was a kid called Masterpiece, and it was all about buying and selling fine art. And the paintings in there, I remember them. And as an artist now, it made a difference. Uh-huh. Like, those things stuck there until I could unravel them, and maybe that's how this film works for kids. But, man, does it... It's like it doesn't really pull punches. It doesn't try and unload, you know, Jung or or, or Freud or anything like that. But... It really is kind of Psych 101 for the under high school age. I would argue it's it's not just even Psych 101. It's more advanced than that. I took Psych 101. We didn't get to things like uh, non-objective fragmentation or <laughs> non-figurative thought. We didn't get to that for years. And, of course, you can do that visually in ways you can't verbally. And, so. it, and as you say... A kid isn't going to know what the terms mean, but visually it looks really cool. Suddenly watching them turn into these weird... I don't know, uh, uh, Dolly-esque figures, and then suddenly just real simple shapes, and then two-dimensional shapes. Yeah. Well, and the way that that Joy solves that problem, it's like, oh, we can't move further towards our goal, and Joy suddenly figures out, oh, well, we'll just pretend that the goal's right there, because we're two-dimensional, just smaller, and I'll squeeze through. It's like, (laughs) uh, okay. Um, I, I honestly don't know how they made this. Like, you know, animation-wise, sure. Computers, you sit down there, you design your characters, you move them around. But the script, it's like, like you said, there's no real... Like, there's the, all the conflict is just within this one character. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and you're having to explain it through psychological terms. It's it's really bizarre, and what's even more bizarre is how well it did. Yeah, this is very not traditional. This is I. Th- Again, yes, giving things away. This is peak. <gasps> this is peak Pixar. This is where Pixar is saying we're going to do something nobody else has done. Yeah, we're going to do something really original, and something that probably shouldn't work. No, but we're going to do it anyway. And they're going work, to and challenge, they make the- it work, and then they do. They challenge you. Yeah, I challenge <laughs> the hell out of you. Like, it, like- <laughs> I mean, and I, just some of it again, children. When you get, when they run into, you know. Joy and sadness through just hijinks and shenanigans get dumped out of headquarters, which is Riley's, I don't know, prefrontal cortex or something. Sure. Uh, and they end up dumped out in her memories, or where all the where, where all the uh, short-term memories are stored in long-term storage, which is this massive yeah. maze of shelves of glass bubbles. Yeah, real quick, what did you think that signified? What did I think what signified? Joy and sadness being kicked out of the, the clubhouse. Like, what do you think that that represented to Riley? I think it represented depression. (laughs) I think a great deal of, and and that is, by the way, I remember reading this when the movie came out. This is jumping ahead a bit, but toward the end, when Riley has decided to run away and try to go back Uh to Minnesota, uh, and the three emotions who are left, fear, disgust, and anger, realize... We can't make her feel anything. That is the effect of profound clinical depression, is you get dissociated from all your other emotions. Well, that's a happy ending, isn't it? Yeah, isn't that nice? <laughs> it's all right. She gets better. but uh... So the villain in this case is, in fact, clinical depression. Yeah. Moving on. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, again, the, other, the odd thing, some of the visual cues are really interesting. You notice that joy and sadness have the same color hair and the same color eyes. They're the only ones who do. Well, the other thing I noticed, and this is a weird thing, is that uh, Sadness's teeth, her front teeth, are the same teeth as Riley's. None of the rest of them are. Oh. I don't know why that's a thing, but it is. Because Riley has, like, one tooth is slightly longer than the other. I didn't notice um, that. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. And, and as you say, the thing is, everything that's going on in Riley's head is so dramatic and so over the top, but what is happening in the real world is very mundane and very believable. Right. I mean, when he, when anger, you know, he's all being all, ah, we'll show you, and he grabs the controls, <laughs> and what she does is she gets snarky, or she uh, yeah. she snaps a little, she snaps at her parents, again, like a kid would. She oh, does, that she, comment, it's got a high level of sass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so the, you know, we are bringing dead. the foot down. <laughs> Go to your room. Yeah, like. So now, let's, let's take a quick... Uh, comparison and contrast here because I think it's, we brought you brought this point up in the trivia uh-huh. and I had it in my notes as well so as you pointed out mom her lead character that we ever see is sadness yeah. and dad's is anger but neither of the characters are admittedly in the brief times that we see them nearly the extremes that they are in Riley well that makes sense for children, well, children's emotions are a lot stronger. They're a lot less tempered. And it's. I thought it was very interesting to see, especially Dad's anger, because Dad's anger is like, oh, you shouldn't do that. That's a naughty thing. Like, that's as high as anger as apparently he gets. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm willing to bet he can go further. But it's... And I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little... Not sad. Oh, sad. Will you drag me around the apartment, Max? <laughs> no. Uh, 
<laughs> okay. Um, that we don't see a little bit more that talks about that because mm. I think it's actually a very important point. Now, that being said, there is plenty for the movie to do. Oh, yeah. But I think what ends up happening and what they are trying to suggest visually uh, is that as your emotions or as you and the person mature, they will grow a mustache. No, that's not what <laughs> I meant. Grow a mustache, yes. Or, uh, or, or all they, get glasses, yes. Right. I think what it, it's trying to say is that each of the emotions becomes more a part of the others. So that anger is tempered a little by sadness and tempered by a little bit by fear. And it's mm-hmm. like you're never quite as pure as you were when you were younger, which, well, it, like you said, is probably a good thing. It also seems that the emotions in the adults are more of a team. They work together Right. Uh, as opposed to it, where Riley, where in effect they're often sort of like butting heads or arguing. There's yeah. more conflict. Yeah. Whereas they've learned to, the older emotions, more mature emotions become a little more harmonious, ideally. Yeah. Still, I think it's very telling that the parents are, you know, a married sadness and a married anger. Mm. Like, it suggests a lot. That I, I don't expect this film to to delve into that that's not the point and i don't say that it should but i think it's a really interesting detail that they didn't just put joy as the head of of all the people we meet um and of course if you stay through the credits you'll get to see the the inner workings of a pizza person a dog a cat uh i actually love the fact that one of the cat's inner things is just up on the counter poking at stuff it's not supposed to yep and then the cat just reacts randomly or the disgust cat is barfing up a hairball in the background yeah yeah Oh yeah, uh, no, it, but uh, and it's funny because the film visually is actually pretty simplistic. Like some of it is it, inside the head, things mm-hmm. are very brightly colored. Like the interior of whatever that clubhouse is is very minimal. There's just not a lot of unnecessary clutter. Um, like they put all of the real detail in the islands. So there are these separate islands. There's Goofball Island and there's Family Island and Friendship Island and Hockey Island, and those things are like. You know, um, steampunk. You know, almost, the, yeah, very highly detailed. Yeah, but they keep things as simple as possible, which is good because they're dealing with such complex ideas. Yeah, yeah. and there's so much. By the way, do you yeah. notice when the few times we see like an overshot of the uh, the memory storage, and you have all the aisles, yeah. and they're all curving and weird. They they look like the convulsions, not the convulsions, the contours <laughs> of a brain. I like convulsions better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't there's another there's a real word for I can't remember what it is. But the ridges yeah. and such in, in, in the human brain. The little gray cells. <laughs> I, I do want to bring up Bing Bong. Yes. Alright, so that's our crying moment, right? Well that's the first one. There are a few, quite honestly. That's I, again that was... what would make you can tell a great Pixar movie are the ones that make you cry, and this does it a few times. And uh, one of them we meet Bing Bong, who is Riley's imaginary friend, who's sort of still desperately clinging to existence in in her deep memories. And, and thankfully, we don't think too much about because if we did, I think we'd scream. Yes. Well, I'm part elephant. I'm mostly mad out of uh, cotton candy, and I'm part you cat. cry. You, I cry wrapped candy. sweets. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> I don't know. And you're a kid. You make up some weird stuff, and you've got a rocket that's an express wagon with two brooms that powered by song sure why not <laughs> okay yeah and he 
again, it's great because obviously, you know, those people, those things stay with you for a while, even when you stop actually believing in them or, or visualizing them. They can stick around. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's one of the real tragedies in this movie. He and Joy end up in what is called the memory dump, which, my God, that it's such a it's so simple. It's so simply done, but it's so terrifying and yeah. sad. It's just a gorge, a huge canyon filled with these gray spheres of forgotten memories. Yeah, that turned to dust. <laughs> this this I think shows up in Coco. The idea yes. that the worst that the idea it, the worst thing isn't death; it's being forgotten. Yeah. Um, I, so I had a question for you. Did you have an imaginary friend? If I did, I don't remember. I had, I used to tell myself stories, so I had an entire imaginary narrative going on. But I never really? believed that they were actual separate entities from me. Okay. Did you? Not that I know of. I, I, I've, I've tried to remember, like every time I saw this film or it would pop up, there's, there's a MASH quote once about, oh, I had an imaginary friend. Her name was Shirley. She looked just like me and had tiny little breasts. Uh, <laughs> it was Radar. radar of course it was. <laughs> yeah. And I, I yeah. thought about it, and I literally have no memory, no evidence. Uh, my sister has never said anything. Yeah. So to the best of my knowledge, no. I didn't have an imaginary friend. Uh, sure, we'd make the, the stuffed animals do things. Yeah. Um, we, we had a wedding once. Oh. <laughs> It was a rainy day, and we decided, yep, those two dogs are getting married. Interestingly, both guys. I don't know if that mm. meant anything. <laughs> but yes, Rex and, Rufus have, <laughs> Rex and Rufus have been married happily for over 45 years. <laughs> oh, it's always nice to hear about a successful marriage like that. Yeah. The, the other um, thing with Bing Bong is he is the, because of him, at one point he gets really upset because he loses his, his rocket, and Joy tries to cheer him up the same way she tries to do it with Riley or any of the others by just relentless positivity. This is one of the times where you just go, Joy, knock it the hell off. It's not helping. <laughs> and There's a new emotion in town. It's called annoyance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then sadness is the one who can comfort him because she can actually, she empathizes with him. She says, that must have really felt, that must have really hurt and... You must have really enjoyed your time with Riley. And Bing Bong can, you know, cries and lets it out. Yeah. And for the first time, Joy gets a hint of the the actual use and healing power of sadness. And that, which, I, uh, which I like that it, it doesn't all come on her at once. She has to see it a couple of times. Well, I think also the audience doesn't see it coming either. Yeah. I think we're all like, well, I don't want to be sad. Being sad's terrible. I hate that. Oh, and, and then it's like, well, here's a reason that's actually it's yeah. okay. And then when they're actually in the gorge, for me, the first real tear-up moment is when Joy is realizing she can't get out. And she's picking up the, the memories yeah. and replaying them. And you just see how much she adores Riley. Yeah. And it's not like this is... It's interesting that she always thinks of herself and the other emotions think of themselves as separate from Riley. You know, she's our girl. It's not right. us. It's not our creator or we're part. It's, she's our girl. We take, we take care of her. And she but, is the, this, the sorrow and the longing when she looks at these old memories and knows that they're not really a part of Riley anymore. And these things that 
brought her joy are gone as because Riley's getting older and you know mm. she's letting go of childhood. And then the other part is when to get out, Bing Bong sacrifices himself. Yeah. And that's that's, that's, gets me. Oh, that's just heartbreaking. Yeah. And that's where I'm like I, I might have had a bing bong. I honestly don't know because there's literally no ping. There's nothing. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. And, you know, people have brought up stuff to me. When, oh, do you remember when you were a kid you did this? No. Literally <laughs> no. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing at all. The worst for me is my mother told me so many times when I was a kid about this amazing drawing I did of a train. Huh. And she said it was so, it was like, you you could see the skill and you could see that you were you know you really drew this train you knew what it was and it was this amazing picture i have never seen it huh. i have no memory of this picture at all and my mother kept saying it's in the basement it's in the basement never found it she kept said she was going to get it framed and stuff nothing and when my mom passed away we looked through the basement never could find the damn thing i have i don't remember drawing it i don't remember anything about it except that my mother loved that picture mm. nothing so yeah I think this movie makes you think a lot about yourself. It does. Um, and, about, and, and just the way, the idea, the world building, in effect, in this movie is so good. In the first seven minutes, we understand each emotion and we understand the way the mind works. We have the islands, which are formed by core memories, which form her personality. The idea yeah. is, yes, that's right. Your memories, your past experiences are what shape your personality. Yeah. And it just, it works. It's just a little weird. The one, the one metaphor I had trouble with is we start watching the islands crumble. And part of this is because joy and sadness are no longer in the clubhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, but also as we see certain things as Riley is changing, testing the waters, doing things she shouldn't be doing, yeah. um, that these islands are collapsing and falling into the abyss, literally the abyss. And it's a little difficult because it feels very final. And... What's and the reason I'd say that the metaphor isn't as quite as clear is that we don't realize until very, very, very late in the film that those islands aren't meant to be permanent. Mm-hmm. They are a construction of an understanding of a subject at that time. So Riley's understanding of family is equal to this island up till that point. And that when it gets destroyed, it's not that she no longer understands what family means. It's just that her understanding of family has changed and grown so much that the old one no longer encompasses what it was. But it's it's that's a metaphor that I think we have to work a little bit harder for. Again, there is so much going on in this movie. I can't really complain. But that was one of the things like, well, he's gone forever. What? She can't play hockey anymore. What's with that? Mm. Um, And real quick. I love the fact that she's a hockey player. Yeah. That is so awesome. I am so glad that they took a little girl. There's no freaking princesses. There's no typical stuff. She plays hockey. Nobody in the movie makes note of this. It is not like, oh, well, she's good for a girl. And I think it looks to me like her team is made up of boys and girls. Yeah, it's a co-ed so team. But, if, well, she's from Minnesota. Of course she plays hockey. <laughs> it's state. It's a statute in the state. If you're, if you're a child, you have to play hockey. I'm almost sure of that. I've lived yeah. there. Don't dispute me. <laughs> well, I think it pretty much came up in uh, Fargo anyway, but uh, it was just nice. That's how this stuff yeah. should happen to me. It's not Very that... Very organic, oh, yeah. Yeah, like, you know, you see women like Vasquez in Aliens, and it's like, oh, you know, has anyone ever confused you for a guy? No. No, no have like, you? We, yeah. <laughs> and it's cool that she's out there kicking ass and chewing bubblegum or whatever, 
But it's even better when she does it and we don't question it. It's like, oh, of course she does that. She's good at it. The thing is, we do know that Riley had some sort of little girl things because one of the memories she's losing are the name of all the glitter ponies. (laughs) Well, good! (laughs) I do like that the two workers who are vacuuming up the useless memories. Okay, phone numbers. They're all in her phone. She doesn't need to remember. Lose them! But Uh, what about the President of the United States? Uh, Washington, Lincoln, and the fat one. There. Lose them! (laughs) So she remembers Taft? Yeah. <laughs> and of course, my favorite part of those two, Triple Dent Gump. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. It's such a great visualization and idea of how a song gets stuck in your head. I love the idea that it's some bored workers down in your memory storage decide to send it up into your consciousness just for the hell of it. And when it shows up, there's anger. <laughs> I think that's what astounds me about this film is that it's like, okay, complex, 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 scream. And it's this amazing mixture of like, hey, we're going to take you into an AP class and now we're just going to, somebody's going to fall down and it's funny. Like it's, it, and those two things somehow work together. And I think that they do them at appropriate lengths of time so that it's like okay my head's starting to swim oh nap something funny good phew now i've had a breather yeah um even the emotion you know like because we're sitting there going joy is just like yeah we're gonna get back and everything's gonna be great and oh, i don't want to everything's really bad and i read the manuals and this is not gonna come out good <laughs> <laughs> and it's like even a sadness can be funny which yep. is weird but it's it's true um <laughs> yeah like not true. Well, what makes you happy? Or I like that movie about the dog that died. <laughs> yeah, there are three adult references in him here. Like, did you really just? So that's an old Yeller reference, yeah. right? Because that's a Disney movie. Yep. Uh, I'm sure because it's really obvious you caught the Chinatown reference. Yes, that forget it, Jake. It. It's Cloud Town. Oh my <laughs> lord! But the first one, the one I'm like, did they really do that? They get to their new house in San Francisco, which quite honestly probably cost $3 million. Uh, She doesn't like it, but my God, that's like a three-story townhouse in the most expensive city in America. Yeah, but she walks in and what is there? Dead Remy the Rat from Ratatouille. Yep, and in her dream, he's undead, which is worse. Yeah, but it's like, you look at that character, and it's like, that's Remy, and it's dead. It's in the middle of, it should be in France, I don't know how it got here, but that's Remy, and it's dead. <laughs> what the hell? I li- and I like Disgust's line when they see her room, I envy the dead rat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, and just yeah. little things, when they're in Imagination Land, which I love the fact that Imagination Land, is a, or the dream world, is yeah. a, a movie studio. <laughs> or a TV studio. Yeah. I think that's great. And they go down to the deepest fears. The two guards. Yeah. Those voices. Do you know who those were? That was Frank Oz and Dave Goltz. From oh. the both cla- those great actors from the Muppets. And that oh. whole bit they're doing of, is this your hat or my hat? Yeah. That's a tribute to Waiting for Godot. <laughs> yeah. We're go- we've got a Samuel friggin' Beckett tribute in the middle of this children's movie. Wow. Yep. Okay. <laughs> I, I didn't care. I've never seen the play. So, um, and I only know the nice Mr. Beckett in hardware. Sorry, that was a very, that, that's a deeper. Oh, that's a deeper. Eh? Oh, that's great. Um, uh, I just, there's, there's, there's uh, I, I, easily, I would say this is the most challenging 
Pixar film. I, I can't think of one that is more challenging than this. I, I think that's right. And I and, can't imagine how it was translated into other languages. Oh, Lord. It, it's I mean, so tri- colloquial and so, yeah. I, every country has its own triple dent gum, right? I'm sure. <laughs> they, they must, yeah. <laughs> and they, yeah, that was perfect. And, and they didn't do the whole thing and it would just pop up randomly because that's what happens, yes. right? You know, and, and it I, is I, catchy. Iris, do you have do you have anything like that that you've remembered since you were a kid that is still in your head and will never go away? Oh God! So my baloney has a first name. <laughs> it's there's that. How's uh, that? <laughs> For oh, me, gosh. It, this is this one that actually ended up. Uh, I had to wait for the internet to find out what it was. <laughs> there was a phone number that has been stuck in my head since I was probably about ten years old, and back then you couldn't look up a phone well, number. Sure. You, you, you had no choice. You just had to, uh, I have to hope I'll see the ad again. And it was not an ad that popped up very often. And it would, all I know is the jingle was 800-325-3535. No clue what that number uh, is. No, no idea. I, what was it? It I don't know if it still is, but I believe it is the Sheraton uh, 1-800 call up to get a room number. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. So I had to sit there and I was like, okay, I'm going to have to wait about, let's see. 35 years and then i'll be able to go to this machine yeah. and just type that number <laughs> in and find out what the hell it means oh yeah <laughs> well, we, we we also got to talk about the ending yeah oh when th- this is one of it's just one of the most emotionally one of the most touching and powerful i think endings and it's not like god it's even hard to talk about I really like when Ry- basically the emo- the remaining emotions, fear, disgust, and anger, decide that Riley should run away, that she should go back to Minnesota. I love their reasoning. The characters are portrayed as adults, but their right. reasoning is that of a child's. It's like, we right. need new core memories. We were happy in Minnesota. Therefore, we should go back to Minnesota. Right. You know, no thinking ahead, no actual, like, what would we do there? But And that's what they want her to do. And that's what, she, in it, well, in effect, that's what she wants to do. And we have to remember, these are her emotions. Right. And as she's leaving, and they they try to, they can't get the idea out of her head when they realize it's a bad idea, even especially fear. And slowly the console starts to turn gray, and they can no longer access her emotions. They can't, she's now cut off from her emotions. And you notice the world changes color, too. When well, that sort of bleaches of it. Yeah, all the bright colors fade away. And she loses her face loses all animation. That's when she goes into a real heavy depressive episode, I think. And she yeah. is just and when they get back, Joy knows she can't do it. She's not the one alone who can do it. She's a I, I, I love her, her reasoning behind that when she sees the memory that sad both she and sadness like. Where you know she sees where the hockey team came over and cheered up, uh, was tossing Riley around, having a great time, and said, "This is yeah, that's the day that they lost the big game and Riley missed the winning shot and she felt terrible and wanted to quit." And Joy doesn't get it and suddenly realizes the reason it was so joyful was the contrast with the sorrow, right? And she re- she understands then that sadness is necessary and she knows that the only way that Riley will be able to heal and move on is if she experiences expresses her sadness and again that one of the parts of this movie that I we we say there's no antagonist but at one point I really just want to belt both the parents because the, especially the mother who's saying 
you know, if we could just stay positive and smile and pretend we're happy, <laughs> it'll be better for dad. It's like, oh, yeah, that's a great thing to put on a child. Suppress all your emotions. Don't let anyone know you're feeling bad. Pretend to be happy. Well, maybe she should learn it when she's young. Ugh. Oh, I mean... <laughs> God, that is a terrible thing to do to a child. Well, to be fair, it is a societal thing as well. Yeah, that's, yeah. Especially for guys, that's what we're taught. You're not supposed to be emotional. Yeah, and of um, course, and women are taught that, uh, yes, you always have to be positive and supportive. And but yeah. I remember Marge Simpson saying, you just take all that anger and sorrow and squash it down into a little ball deep, deep inside you and never let it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. You oh, should yeah, do that. That's healthy. And she's uh, and that's you know Riley's breakthrough is when she tells them she wants she's homesick and she wants to go home and she just she misses her old life. Yeah. And that and dad's it, a that, chump. Yes, and dad's an idiot. <laughs> but that's that's my big cry moment. Yeah. Oh, for me it it really is Bing Bong, just the loss uh the the childhood loss. Yeah. Um, cuz I I have so little of my childhood like physically. I I have like literally one thing. Um and in some, you know, as an adult, there's there's things we don't like. And in some ways, I was happier as a kid, or I don't remember the bad parts, so whatever. Um, so that that for me is is the big the cry moment. Yeah. Um, and I, I like I really love the fact that at that moment, a new core memory is forged, and it's the first one that's two colors. It's yeah. joy and sadness. And then after that, we see as Riley is getting older, her emotions become more complex, and her memories can actually be. You know, a combination of joy and anger or fear and disgust or any of them. And if she grew up to be a movie critic, you'd see a lot of disgust and anger together. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Avatar. (laughs) Stupid movie. Um, I want to mention something real quick because I know we're getting to that point. Um, So when this movie came out, this was the movie that was it. Everything was fine and done. Since then, as Pixar is wont to do, there's a little short that you can watch yep. if you want. It does not in any way really expand on the movie, nor does it the movie require that you watch this. No, it's it's not... just a little extra something that's yeah. fun. And Riley's it's called Riley's First, first date. date. Yep. Yeah, so the, the kid that she runs into at the <laughs> hockey rink where she literally like has to jam his, his water cup back under his arm because he's like, oh, girl! I love um, that, that sequence. It's so quick, but we see inside his head and all his yeah. emotions are panicking and this alert is going off, girl, girl, girl. girl. <laughs> it's, fear is just um, curled up in the fetal position, rocking back and forth. It's perfect. Yeah, apparently his name's Jordan. Yeah. That's fine. Uh, and somehow that she's asked him to come over, like she's like, okay, I I think she feels bad for him, which is cool because Riley's actually at that point she's t- she's actually sort of like Violet at the end of Incredibles, which we'll get to, where she's like, oh, uh, I feel confident now. I'm going to talk to the boy. Except in this case, the boy's like, ub 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 ub. So in Riley's first date. Jordan comes over, and the parents are immediately like, what's this boy doing over? And Dad's anger is like, a boy in my house! And uh, the foot's coming down. Uh, And the best part there is the kid, Jordan, is just like, his mouth's hanging open. There's like, you you get this idea, nothing is going on in his head. Yeah. And Dad's trying to be like, okay, i got to be supportive. All right, what do you like to do? And the kid's like, nothing. And the dad's like, oh, here it comes, here it comes. And finally, the kid manages to go... Yeah, I'm kind of in the band. And the dad's inner 
friend in, in her emotions are like, hey, wait, we were in a band. Yeah, yep. And there's this great scene where the two of them are totally connecting over ACDC. Yep, because they're both Dad playing air play, guitar and kicking over well, the He played lead and Jordan plays bass. Mm-hmm. So they can, they can rock out and play different parts. And those two are getting <laughs> along together, which of course gets discussed something to do because of course yep. Riley's discussed is like, uh, no. Yes, and watching mom trying to use, you know, hip youth lingo and just failing and, at it miserably. I mean, she uses it correctly, but boy, is that painful. Oh, it's like, it really oh. is. It's just, it's dead on. The, yeah. Again, it's not essential, but it is no. It is adorable. It's fun to watch. Yeah. I, yeah. lo- I love the post-credits in the original movie, too, where we just get looks inside everybody else's head. <laughs> Yes. Oh my god! Yeah. And I, I love the fact that, like the bus driver, all of his all of his emotions appear to be anger. Yeah, yeah, all of them, <laughs> and you can understand that. Yeah, the, the, uh, the best I think is the cat, but the others are fun. <laughs> the goth chick at the pizza, where all the emotions have like you know goth hair and makeup. Is, what are we mad about again? I don't know. Whatever Troy's <laughs> mad about. What's Troy mad about? I don't know. <laughs> I even like the dog. The man. The man has food. Get let's get the food. <laughs> um, and it's nice too because it's it's a little throwaway thing, but also it's kind of showing a commonality, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Between different people and even a- animals in some way have similar. I mean, it's not the same. There's no little whatever. Yeah. Uh, although I have to wonder because at that point where we see the empathy from sadness to Bing Bong, I was like. Do the emotions have little people in their heads? Like how, how far does this go? Yeah, how recursive is this? Yeah, fractals. Yeah. Mm. But mm. Uh, I, I, I got through all my notes. How about you? Uh, yeah, pretty much got all of mine. So now, the big surprise. The Roundup. So, Mike, what did you think of this movie? Again, I think it's the most challenging Pixar film, and they knock it out of the park. How? I don't know. Yeah. They've taken a, an exceedingly complex subject, and they, honestly, they sugarcoated it and put a prize in the box. Mm. I, I, I don't know, but they did. And I think it's got a lot to say. A lot of it's good. I'm sure people could swoop and go, um, scientifically, this theory is not actually <laughs> properly portrayed. What the hell yeah, ever. Yeah, come on. Even if it's just your first exposure to thinking about how you work. Great. Um, it's funny. I laugh. It's got its cry moment or moments, depending on how you're looking at it. Um, visually, even the simplistic parts work very well. Uh, San Francisco looks really crowded and dirty, which it is. Um, we don't see any giant robot or super friends flying around, but that's okay. They'll come later. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure they're in the sequel. Um, but yeah, it's. I, I would never have guessed that they could pull this off, and they did. And I hope that it, it was, in a way evidence for them that that not only can they do this but they should do it like mm. they can should continue to challenge because again they made four times their budget which is past the sweet spot yep so pixar please continue to challenge and make something interesting how about you max yeah i love this i think this may be my favorite pixar movie just in terms of the it's such a surprise it's so, it's unique uh again beautiful to look at you laugh, you cry, you kiss ten bucks goodbye. It's, <laughs> it, I think it's wonderful. I, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's the absolute best, but it's certainly the most original and the most Pixar. And as you yeah. say, I really wish they would just stick with stuff like this and not insist on churning out sequels. Yeah, because like yeah. pretty soon, like right after this, we don't get any 
thing until until Coco, Coco yeah, and yeah, it's just like, hey, how about Cars five and a half? Yeah. Okay, and then you know we get now. Admittedly, I think that at least it looks like they're trying to get back to that. The last one they did was Onward, and the next one, Soul, looks like it could be interesting. I mean, I would say potentially more with Soul than Onward because. Mm. Onward was fun. Yeah, Onward was fun. It was not one of their greatest, but it was no, fun. But it made D&D cool, so... It did. <laughs> <laughs> Although, to be fair, by this point, D&D has made itself cool. Yeah. Something I never thought would happen, but yeah, there you go. Never imagined. Never imagined. But yeah, yeah I, I, th- I think this is a great movie. Totally recommend it. So, uh, how, what, so what are we going to look at next week? Uh, you know, some movie, something Troy likes, you know. Uh, what, know. what is Troy like? <laughs> <don't know>. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I imagine this if this film, real quick, would imagine this film, O'Reilly had been like two years older. Oh, would that have been a different film? <laughs> I, I gotta say, this is the one of one of the films I would actually like to see a sequel to because kinda, I would love, I kind of like to see what, what happened. What is, what, what is the inside of Riley's head get like when she's a teenager? Or maybe she actually becomes an astronaut and does go to the moon like Bing Bong wanted to. And what happens when Deadpool shows up? Yep. Oh, wait, what? Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, mm. I kind of do and I don't. I'm yeah. perfectly happy with the yeah, way it exactly. is, but it might be interesting. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, next week, though, we are uh, we're going to go back to school because, Max, you and I need to go back to school. Oh, God, the Rodney Dangerfield movie? Really? Uh, n- no, oh, no, mm-hmm. not, that's not a Pixar film, oh, I'm right. pretty sure. Oh, I don't think not. Rodney Dangerfield ever showed up as himself in a Pixar film. What, Rover uh, Dangerfield wasn't a Pixar movie? No. Oh, no, okay, okay. No. But I'm glad that you have all these references that you can throw <laughs> at our poor listeners. <laughs> no, next week we're going to a sequel, well, it's not really a sequel, no, but it kind of is. Prequel? Yeah, it's a prequel, which is weird because the character voices sound older than... Mm. But uh, anyway, we're going to go to Monsters University. Ah, good old Um, MU. Yeah, and we're going to see what frat boys really do in the Pixar universe. Oh boy, (laughs) is this going to be great! May I have 10,000 marbles, please? Yes, you may. (laughs) Uh, Yes, we are going to go to Delta House, and we are going to see the horrible things that happen at Monsters university monsters university so remember monsters university not incorporated not incorporated and not monster state college very different movie the high school after high school (laughs) (laughs) this has been a co-production of the voice of max and the movie wrench.